0: Welcome everyone to the Immigrant's Journey Podcast. I am your host, Carmenetta, and today I am absolutely delighted to have with us Jelling Long, an artist and photographer from Beijing, living in Dublin. She has recently won the Inspirational Arts Photography Award and was named in the Irish Times 50 People to Watch in 2021 under the category of Best Young Talent in Ireland. She discovered her love of photography in Dublin and went on to study the subject at IADT, graduating with first-class honours, winning a Gallery of Photography Ireland Graduate Award and PhotoWorks London Photography. And today, she's going to share a little bit of her journey with us. Jelling, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. That's a very nice introduction. Thank you very much. <laughs> <My pleasure. laughs> so
0: tell us, what was life like back home before you came to Ireland?
1: When I was little, the the city, I was born in Beijing, the capital in China. Uh, When I was little, the city was quite different like now, but uh, just at the time before I moved out, I I just completed my undergraduate degree, just finished college, and I think that time Beijing was starting to become a big city, become the, like economic center. I think the ch- city changed a lot. For a lot of Beijing people, we have a we feel we're we starting losing our city because the government has different plans. And when they sometimes will just say, all oh, these people decide to make the landscape of the uh, like change of the city, they're not from Beijing. And they just have a plan in their head and they you know, carry it out. So they, when they do that, they start moving people out and change the landscape of the city completely. But Beijing is a really old, like they, it has a rich history. So we feel like i from there, and I, we feel we're kind of losing our city. For example, in one of the culture where uh, when I was little, it's really, it's simple and slow. And people love to have a walk, go for a walk after dinner. And everybody meet, like great on the street especially old person always have a, a cage with bird, you know, in there and they kind of swing their bird and uh, walking, you know, you, with their hands behind, you know, it's like the old movie. And uh, yeah, that's some culture. We, we don't have it right now. We don't have it anymore. So that's something I really miss. And when you meet these people, they're all strangers, but you, you like like in, in a uh, small village in Ireland, you greet to everybody. But now people don't do that anymore because it's become a, Big city, you know. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's fascinating. I have never heard the piece about the bird before. Where did that tradition oh,
1: start, and
0: what does it mean to have a bird swinging in a cage?
1: Oh, it's I don't know about some of my friends, my childhood friends. They have birds uh, in uh, from their parents or grandparents. I, I think it's uh, it's uh, something about you have to walk the birds, but you have um, like a fabric uh, to make it dark inside. Otherwise, the birds will be a little bit afraid of outside. Then when they, like, they, they, they bring the birds for a walk. Then when they go somewhere, there's a centerpiece. There's, like, some location they meet, a group of people meet. They hang their bird on the <laughs> kingze That's very exotic. I think it would take me a,
0: a little while to learn how to pronounce that properly. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so you hang yeah. the bird. In, uh, well, we'll just call it a gazebo for the purpose of the podcast. So you hang it on the gazebo, and then do people sit around?
1: Yeah, and and yeah, and all the birds because many people were group meeting in there, and all the birds. I mean, at that time they take the fabric off, so all the birds start talking. Like you can hear the bird sound all over the place, and uh, the person who brought the birds uh, normally play chess the Chinese chess. And uh, there are also a group of people on that side and this side, they're just watching. It's like the old movie. If you watch some old film, uh, you probably know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. I don't know if you watch Netflix much, but there's a series
0: that came out, I think earlier this year or late last year, called The Queen's Gambit. So The Queen's Gambit is a chess move and they made a series based on this book about this really famous female chess player and in the film it's set like I think in the 1960s what they do they do that outdoors where they just have the tables
1: and there's just two people playing chess and then people kind of gather yeah, around exactly like that yes that's kind of a uh, stew the, the people carry on that culture when I was little I say probably there's still a group of people doing that but we starting losing the place you can walk your bird you can you can play has Yeah. You probably go into a building or some like community center, but it's feel different. It's just not, you know, you you lose that uh, open air and under this beautiful, um, yeah, it's, you just feel different. Yeah. That's a shame. So when you were there, you
0: decided to do engineering. That was going to be your career path. Yeah.
1: It's another interesting thing. It's not (laughs) me, it's my mother. Decided me to do engineering. In most Chinese, or I say maybe Asian parents, like to manage and plan a future for their children. They think that's the best for their life. And they want to see they have a secure job, a good career, and like you can have a kids, you will get a partner, like get married and have children. Then like that's the, almost everything in the parents' mind. So my mother thinks engineering is a good thing to do. And she put me on that. (laughs) (laughs) Did you actually have
0: an interest in engineering at any stage or were you just kind of grinning and bearing it and doing it for
1: your parents? I think the only thing I was, I didn't really know, you know, in Chinese college, we don't have an open day like college here. So you secondary school student, you don't have this opportunity to know the subject you're going to study. Most people like, just blind, then you have to feel you, so like what's, which college you want to go. You know, there are like six options. Then based on your, you pass a, like a central exam and based on your score, then you can decide like which college you can go. That's the system. So at that time, I didn't really know what's involved in there. But the only thing I know is I quite like physics in school. Yeah, I, I was really good at physics, I have to say. And I, I do like science subjects, like mathematics. I do like them. I say that's the only reason I said yes. At the time, most people, it's a really popular people to learn finance or maybe say science subject. And my mother just picked me for engineering. And there's an interesting thing is, we never discuss this, but she just have something in her mind thinking engineering is a male dominant field. And if a woman gets in that field, you can stand out. That's something in her mind. but. In reality, it didn't work for me, and that's the main reason. After I had got a master in Ireland in engineering, and even I moved to move out to a different country, but I still find there's a barrier for me to break into this uh, field, and that's a uh, main reason I I changed my career. I become an artist.
0: That is fascinating. So what precisely was your experience in terms of seeing the barrier? Was it things that people said to you or just opportunities that they didn't offer you, but they would offer your male colleagues? What exactly happened there?
1: Well, I I have to say in the company I worked for, the people are really friendly. The pressure I feel is from the entire industry. Also because I know in, in China it's still difficult. I have to say in China it's definitely a male dominant area. For a woman it's so hard to break into. For in, in the Western world, generally speaking, women have more opportunity. But for me it's a slightly different is I, I'm an Asian, so I just look different. And when I speak, I do have accent, you know I sound different. And I think that's some a culture like this um, industrial culture I, I find hard to break into. So you do get less opportunity than your male, say a white male colleague. And is it because they get a bit cliquish? So there's
0: a boys club kind of situation going on and they talk to each other and network with each other and talk to each other about opportunities and you're excluded? Or is it something else?
1: I can only say from my experience, For my experience, um, the company I work for, they're they're good and I work in the head office, but I really want to get into the field. When I was working at the time, most of the projects are in Europe. So I had to involve travel and also, you know, be dealing with a lot on site. It's the construction site, So like there's definitely different concern from the management level. I think a woman probably not suitable for that. Like a man will be easier, like more. Um, it's they also I think they, they, they put a good thinking on me. Say I'm more like have a good life in here. But not necessarily the life I want. <laughs> do you get me? So I am not complaining about anyone I work with or the company's decision. But I just feel there's a culture in there. It's hard for women to to dealing with. And you have to be tough. You have to be acting like someone even you're you're soft. But then you have to pretending you are you're really strong and you you shouting you like you speak loud. Uh, you you act like a man. <laughs> then you probably can get in there and do what they expected you to do. Absolutely interesting observation
0: because I always wondered about that but I've noticed that particularly with American women trying to break through the glass ceiling there's this unsaid understanding that in order to succeed in a man's world you need to behave like a male because if you show any aspects of femininity and softness they're going to equate your femininity with incompetence. So you have to project this air of strength and assertiveness and decisiveness, even aggression, even though they're called bitches when they're assertive and aggressive. There is this correlation with assertiveness and strength and competence. And if you kind of pull back and try to interact with people in a more delicate feminine way, it's equated with incompetence and maybe inability to do the job right. And that's really messed up. Yeah. (laughs) Just because you're soft-spoken doesn't mean you're not intelligent and don't know what you're doing. But there is, and this going back to human psychology, we tend to group things together when we're observing patterns. So if, if we constantly see a male figure Who is assertive in a certain position and they do the job well, we subconsciously think that in order to do that job well, you have to be assertive and possibly male. Our brains don't tend to pick apart the different pieces that are going into a field that's as complicated as engineering, for example, where your ability to analyze a situation and engineer a project and be a project manager has nothing to do with how male you are but we kind of tend to group all these characteristics together. So when we see something that's a bit different, that doesn't fit into the pattern, we're like, whoa, what's going on here? So you really have to work extra hard to prove yourself, but that's the reality of human bias.
1: Yeah. And I think sometimes you even try to make yourself not Person, like in the end, you don't know is that person who you are? Like, is that me? And start questioning yourself. For me, the, my experience, I just had an interesting thought a few days ago. I was thinking because this, like a pyramid, uh, we already in this structure. So we everybody fit their role in their structure. But if say just one day the, the male and female role completely change, like swapped, and all this politician you see on the tally, all this president of the United States, or you know, you, all these uh, important people in this in their role as a man and change to a woman, the world is not going to become worse. <laughs> It's already a big mess. (laughs) Exactly.
0: It's just more (laughs) variation on a theme. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's so many moving parts in society and things are constantly changing. It's just so weird. People like stability. If traditional male and female roles represent stability in some people's mind, they kind of cling to that because it's like, oh, that's familiar. I know that. That feels safe. And when things start getting culturally different and you start having different types of people represented in different roles in society. Some people really freak out about that and it's unfortunate, but it's like, nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen if a woman is an engineer or if a gay person is president, like it's, it's okay. It'll be grand. So when you did come to Ireland, you got your master's in engineering. When did the artistic bug Start to flourish in your mind and start making you think.
1: You know what? Maybe I want to switch careers. I think naturally I love art, but you know, oh, there's another pain from my my childhood. <laughs> my mom, like, when every time I try to talk to my mother uh, to do an after school activity, I say, "Mommy, I want to go to a painting class." My mom said, and then she booked me into an uh, English class. And <laughs> you know, to study English. Then uh, she, I remember in my secondary school, I was really excited. There's a club, uh, after school club. I was really excited when I came back home. My dad, what, what, what he, his first reaction to me is, why you pick such money costing activity to do <laughs> then um, I think that I, I was keep being putting down in my early childhood or say yeah, yeah like a teenager age but that's something always in me and during my years uh, working and studying and working as engineer I love photography and I, I just keep shooting a lot of photographs so it's something i I'm always interested in but until I start to study photography I realized it's not uh, what I thought before because I was quite type- I know how to take a good shot how to you know get that right uh, set up the number you know then I starting to learn arts I realized there is a visual language and it's a way to communicate I think you want to ask me why why I changed this do I do do you I think you did answer it because you kind of oh
0: okay you kind of said it was always there in me but I was just moved away from it because your parents didn't see it as a viable future for you very expensive, yeah. not potentially lucrative. Yeah, what I got is like you were always interested in art. You were just
1: kind of encouraged. Just leave that alone and do something that's going to make you money. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's a uh, uh, yeah. When I worked as engineer, uh, I just at one stage because I feel there's a ceiling, and I kind of can see myself in ten years later. I'm I'm still doing the same thing. That's a vision I saw almost every morning. I woke up, look into the mirror, and I talked to myself and No, this I have to put it in the end I don't want that going to be my life in 10 years time so that's the time I made the decision and I did I got a lot of resistance like different voice from my family even far away I thought I was really lucky because I live and don't live with my parents <laughs> anyway I did it and they still think maybe I made a mistake and I'm going to regret but well, then I'm there. here I am now <laughs> I'm really happy and excited. <laughs> Exactly. And you're doing absolutely fantastic. And your work
0: is great. Like, I'm going to put all the links to your website and Instagram in the show notes so people can find you. But yeah, I just find that so brave. There's been other guests that we've had on the show who came to Ireland with one career path, usually something in tech or engineering. And then they're like, you know what? I want to make movies. You know what? I want to act. And they just go into something completely different, something artistic. And they say that I would have never been able to do that if I was back home because of the social pressures and the pressure. So there's something freeing in traveling abroad and being able to reinvent yourself without that pressure.
1: I'm very happy for you that you found your path. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes, I'm really lucky to be able to do. (laughs) But uh, when you are abroad, you kind of more, it's my life. There is a word in Chinese, it's a saying. It's like uh, when, when I live abroad, my parents' power can't, or their hands are too far to reach me. <laughs> yes, and it's True. an advantage. <laughs> Tell me something about your culture that you love. For us, it's the food. <laughs> I'm a food lover. I, I love cooking. And I say, if I didn't become an engineer, I didn't become an artist. I'd probably become a chef. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Very <laughs> well. I have to ask you as a Chinese person. I'm sure you've been
0: to the restaurant L&M in Dublin too. Now, I've heard that this is the most authentic Chinese restaurant in Dublin. Do you agree or disagree? Do you want to hear the Chinese name? Yes. Bashu Shu Renjia. Say that one more time. Bashu Shu Renjia. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I'm, going to record that. I'm going to record that clip and repeat it 50 times until I learn how to say it. That's great. <laughs> so what do you think of the food there? Because I've heard it's the most authentic Chinese restaurant in Dublin. Yeah, know?
1: yeah, yeah. Their food is quite like the local restaurant in China. So it's quite like, you know, there are kind of a high-end restaurant and a little bit like street restaurant. So I would describe this as a type of restaurant uh, when I was in college in Beijing, and um, just the the restaurant across the road from our college. And what's your yeah. favorite dish there? Because I'm always looking to try new things and their menu is so vast.
0: And I'm like, I don't know what to choose.
1: There are so many. But because they are specializing in Sichuan food, and that's really spicy. If you like the spicy food, yeah, you probably like it. I I think just when you asked me the top thing up here on my head, it's still in Chinese. Can I say it? Of course. It's called Hong oh, Men Yang Rou Bao. It's lamb. So it's kind of a stewed lamb in um, like a stone pot. Oh,
0: wow. I would love to try it because I normally don't like lamb. I find the taste of the meat quite pungent, but I love the spices uh-huh. that Chinese people use in their food. So I'm thinking maybe if it was spiced the Chinese way that I would enjoy it. So I'm definitely going to try it. next time that i go there
1: i can send you the uh, the letters in writing perfect i write it for you You, then you show when you show the the waitress they'll know what you're talking about even you can't pronounce it right but if you show them the words they know it that's even better but sometimes like there are a few times uh, when i was there and they said no they ran out Ran out. it's just too popular oh wow okay (laughs) so definitely gonna try it out yeah it's uh and, and another reason also take a long time to cook I think my husband tried it once and it like it take maybe a day or how to prepare and then like an hour or, or more than an hour to it's a really slow processing thing I don't know how to make this meal, but uh, every time when she, he said, uh, what do you want to cook the lamb? I said, oh, how about this? And he said, oh God, take something easy. <laughs> so that's the reason I eat out. <laughs> yeah, it's just time consuming and you need a lot of spice and you know too many effort into one meal. Yeah, That's why I love to go out and dine is to try foods
0: that I'm never going to cook myself. And lamb is definitely one of them. I will never cook lamb, but if somebody can make it in a really nice way, I'd be delighted to try So next time I go there, when this lockdown is over, definitely going to have it.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's something I really miss, especially uh, when I'm having this baby, you know, you have a a kind of some, have just some, some food, you know, appear. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I really want to have that food, but I can't go out. (laughs) I know it's so sad. At least some (laughs) restaurants are doing takeaways and that's kind of been
0: my saving grace because there's a few around where I live and just drive there and
1: It's not the same. I know. And I I just said, where I live is in the countryside. So most takeaways we we have is pizza. Pizza and chippers. (laughs) So that's something that you love about your culture. Is there anything about your culture that you would change if you could? I love the traditional culture. Like we discussed in Beijing. That's only a little example. And there are so many, for example, my my mom and my parents bought the book for, for them. And those books are from like four three four thousand years ago. It's it's really old books, but it's just passed on. And it's basically teaching you how this universe work and how, you know, like the Chinese old philosophies, in, in, you know, in Kung Fu Panda, you probably can sense some of that. Yeah. So like my, my, my parents would bought those books from, for my children and those books are like the really old uh, past the, thousands of years and uh, it's it's like the old wisdom and it's still valuable nowadays that's some some culture i want them k- to keep go keep like uh, uh, to have to know that and it's just to teach you how to treat other people how to behave like a, and that's something I, I like in my culture but now you know the China is a socialist country uh, in, in recent like modern history and uh, a lot of politics things uh, get into the culture as well, like socialism is become Chinese culture. Uh, and in just for say in China, it's not a democratic country. And I wish we can more like have a China opportunity to be able to vote, like everybody can vote. And uh, it can be topics or public issues or government decisions can be talked, discussed between people. And uh, like uh, for different religions, like in China, it's a 56 nationality nation. The general people, the, the majority, is, there's one majority called Han people, and there are 55 minorities. They all have their own culture and their own language and their own belief. But the government tried to make a socialist ideology into everybody's life, into everybody's culture. But... If you have resistance, say, if you uh, don't believe something the government tells tell you, say, this is my God and this is the, the religion I believe, they force make you to change. I think there should be a room allowed and not do this in an extreme way. That's something I wish, in, say, in China, the culture could change.
0: What's something interesting about your culture that most people don't know about?
1: Uh, I think it's probably the what I mentioned, the fifty-six nationalities. I don't know uh, how many people heard of that.
0: My brother lives in Austin, Texas, and one of his housemates is a. Am I pronouncing this correctly? A Uyghur. Uh huh. So he yeah. was saying that his experience in China, he was quite discriminated against. But I had never heard of this nationality before in my life, so I was like really curious. I didn't realize that there were so many different nationalities in China. That's definitely a new thing. And you have different languages as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. There are. Um, you know, if you, you search online, you just Google uh, 56 Chinese nationalities. I think if you search that and go to uh, stamp, you search the image. And I, I know they have published the 56 different type, like they're, what they're wearing. You, you'll see that. It's quite interesting. They have their own costumes, their own Decorations or like a jewelry, you know, their own. Uh, it, it looked really, really interesting. The, the universal, like w- what we speak in China is called Mandarin. And that's the Chinese you heard in the news, in like the official channel. But uh, many place area have their own language. For example, like uh, Uyghur, that's uh, like one big group. Their language we, we don't understand is completely different. I think they probably sound more like a fish. They, they do they can communicate. I don't know which which country's language, but I know that it's definitely a language. And then say a Korean people, um, the people live uh, close to Korea, and there's a big group of uh, Korean people. They have their own language, and their language is same as the people who speak in Korea. Before I met the a Korean person, I didn't know that. And when they told me, I said, "Oh, that's brilliant! So you you naturally just have a different foreign language." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and like Mongolia, the, the Mongolian definitely, I think they, yeah, it's Mongolian. Tibet, it's another uh, thing. It's like they have their own language. Uh, there are like so many. I just named a few popular ones. What motivated you to want to move to Ireland? I had, uh, when I graduated from my undergraduate degree uh, of engineering, I worked in an English school and i i i made uh, two uh, Irish friends and, and they oh i think the big one was uh, they talk about St patrick's day in in an event like we oh, i work in the English school, so they are the teacher there They teach english so like fascinating about how how people crazy like celebrate this this uh, thing and uh, we heard people all wearing green and in the, in america in, in in Chicago people were into green. I was just like, oh that's just so interesting and oh also the river dance river dance was in china the ticket was too hard to find i didn't have a chance but my friend went and she just told me how brilliant the show was i was like god i wish i could see it <laughs> i mean all those little things made me uh, want uh, interested in this country and when i was looking for um a master's to, to do in, uh, to, to do abroad. And I just found a college in Ireland still, uh, just suit my time and uh, the, the tuition fee uh, like everything just match. So that's how I come here.
0: How about cultural challenges and cultural differences? Was there anything
1: that you found challenging? You know, Ireland has many church and people like religion is, um, Everybody so familiar with, but for me, it's a new thing. So uh, when I when I grow up, the the, uh, the Chinese promote atheism. It's a really new thing for me because I had never been taught or even had a talk with anyone about religion. I remember the first time my friend, the Irish friend, brought me to a church. I was thinking, oh, God, this is amazing. <laughs> it's just something new and you see the priest that was talking and the people can kind not of repeat some what he says how they do they know all the lines yes it, it's you're taught from so, when you're little yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they drill it into you yeah so yeah i i know i've heard because when like when when i go to a show go to an exhibition and i heard people like their stories uh, in the history and about the Catholic Church did the bad thing to people and people starting to making arts projects about them to reveal that part of history. That's another side I find when I go to this uh, exhibition or, or the, the talk or like artist talk, sometimes I, I find it a little bit hard to understand because I lack of the background knowledge. I kind of know what they're talking about, but I didn't really can understand the problem. Yes. Yeah, that's a-
0: the Catholic Church historically has enjoyed a lot of power in the West, particularly in Europe. And like any group of people, too much power and no accountability breeds corruption. And they abused the shit out of their power for a very long time to the point where the people rebelled and started to push away. And now even though Ireland is considered a Catholic country, there's not that many people who actually practice the religion. They do get their children baptized and they do get confirmation. So they go through like the rituals in certain periods of a child's life, but nobody does their Hail Mary, go to confession and really take anything literally take it as literally true as they did a hundred years ago. It's kind of moved past that, especially with all the abuse of children and stuff. Yeah. It is a fascinating religion. I've evolved in my own opinion, about religion throughout the years, because I was raised Protestant. So Protestants kind of broke away from the Catholic church. The Catholic church um, idea is that you get your morality from God and from the church, particularly from the Pope. The Pope is supposed to be the representative of God on earth. He is supposed to be a descendant from the line of the apostle Peter. Protestants' interpretation is that you don't need the Pope to have access to God, it's just the Bible protestants think that the bible is the inspired word of god so they they think that the whole priesthood is superfluous in terms of connecting with divinity you can just access god directly through prayer so there was like a schism in the church so martin luther was a famous priest back in the 1500s who got the whole protestant thing protestant coming from the word protesting so he was protesting oh. a lot of the abuse of powers that was going on in the church and if you this, if you study the history it's it, it's really quite Fascinating, but anyway, so there was a breaking away from Catholicism to Protestantism. A lot of people followed Luther and his teaching, but of course, the Bible is quite a convoluted piece of literature. So you can kind of interpret it however you want. If you want to follow a peaceful version of Christianity, Mm. you can. If you want to do a more militant interpretation, you can, because there's loads of verses in that scripture that you can kind of pick and choose depending on your own personal morality. So they had the inquisitions and yeah. they had the crusades. That was the more militant version of Christianity. And it's kind of like chilled out over the years. But I was raised a Protestant and I really truly believe that that was the truth because I was not allowed to be, ex- it's kind of like uh, your situation in China where you weren't given the complete history of the country. Um, the same way that I was raised, I was prevented from learning about anything that would contradict the faith that I was raised in. So I wasn't allowed to learn about other religions. I was pulled out of school when I was 14 years old and I didn't have a proper science education because obviously the theory of evolution directly contradicts the proposition that God created the world in six days, which is what the Bible says. And I was raised believing that that was literally true. So it took me a long path of like considering what I was raised with, um, different people's perspective to kind of come all the way to the other side, where I don't actually believe any of it is literally true. I think that they are legends, that they are stories, but I find them interesting in that they do offer humanity a moral framework to start out with. It's not that you should accept everything as literally true, but it does give you some kind of structure to kind of base your values and your views on humanity. And a lot of it is positive, like the idea that God created man and we're all equal under God's eyes. Doesn't matter if you're Chinese, Mm. if you're from South America, if you're white, if you're black, we're all God's creatures. That's a nice way to bind people from different cultures and traditions based on this common theme. That there's this overarching force that values us all equally; therefore, we should value each other. Whether or not that's true, it, it starts it starts people asking questions and thinking about things in a kind of philosophical and ethical way. Which I think I think it's good for our species. I think it's good for us to consider questions of ethics and morality and who you want to be in the world and how you want to interact with each other. And so. I value religion for the fact that it does offer that framework. I think when religion gets dogmatic, and I don't think that's necessarily a problem of religion, I think that's a problem of the human mind because human beings can be dogmatic about anything yeah. you can be dogmatic in politics you can be dogmatic in socialism in even democracy you can be dogmatic in any situation
1: yeah yeah i that's something i always lo- interested to learn and even i had uh, like a discussion with my my friend like irish friends and like they all tell me different things but so i think yeah i probably would really say that and read the book and just uh, went through all this history.
0: <laughs> so I know what happened. <laughs> exactly. So then when they make references in different uh- arts, arts situations like, oh yeah, I know about that. (laughs) Very good point. Thank you. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) How do you go about achieving your goals? Because like you have done a lot of difficult things in your life, getting an engineering degree, getting a master's in engineering, and then completely having a career transition like that's not easy to do.
1: Uh, I think for me, I'm quite a determined person. So uh, when I decide to do something and that's the the time you have your goal and then I will make a practical plan how I uh, achieve that goal. Then I I follow, like I I write write down them step by step. I think write down is really important for me because I need some time, uh, some sort of visualization to uh, remind me also, um, you know, sometimes your mind can lose track on something else, but uh, to keep coming back on that paper and what written down on there, you you know you're following your plan. When I finish one, say I, I have them in an the order and I, I just try to achieve them a one step-by-step. Step. When when I did something, complete something, I will cross them over. I think that's also really important because uh, when I cross that, that, I feel okay, one job done. So I'm one step closer to my goal. that's the strategies I use. I do the exact same thing. And I love to use Google suites to do
0: it because I literally make myself little folders and little tasks. And I put myself little reminders and I check off the thing and everything is digital. And I have, I I wouldn't be able to keep track of something physical, like a physical log. I would lose it. It would be misplaced. But once I have it on the cloud, I have access yeah. to it on my phone. It's like, okay, this is what I'm doing today. That's what I got done. Okay, that's getting postponed. And it's so easy to reorganize anything when you're doing it online. It's it's fabulous. But I if uh, if Google Calendar like got shut down, I wouldn't know what to do with my week. <laughs> I'd be absolutely oh. lost.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm the actually opposite. You see, this is my little planner. I make it for every year. But then if oh. I lose this little book, I'll be lose track of what I'm doing. <laughs> Yeah,
0: everybody's different. Some people really like like putting the pen to paper process. And it's yeah, they even say that it helps some people retain the information better when you have the visual of actually putting and physically writing something
1: down. It helps. Um, keep it in your mind longer and i i just for me i really like the physical like a draw the line across the task. like oh god that's
0: gone you know yeah <laughs> feels great yeah. do you have a daily
1: practice that you think helps keep you grounded and motivated in life i was a daily ashtanga yoga practitioner uh, I really like lo- love it. Love the, the the whole practice. I think it's uh, it just sets a really good foundation for your uh, mind and body. And uh, you know, in Ashtanga, we 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 talk about like four D's: um, mm-hmm. determination, discipline, uh, devotion, and um, dedication. Yeah, but now I I, I because I, since I got children, I don't have much time to practice. But then it's still something I really like to do when I have time. I, I, I still do that. But I I say just um for back the time, when I was doing daily practice, I find this practice really give you a strong uh, mind because every time when you're challenging your body to do a, a hard posture, uh, first, it's really good. It's cleansing your body. So physically, it's uh, it's cured. Like if you have, say, a cold, a flu, it actually can help your body to heal. And, uh, and another thing is when you're focusing on in that posture, in that difficult situation, you're focusing on the, on your mind and your breathing, it's another thing to clean your like um, make you have a really clear mind because one thing in yoga people talk about is uh we can't really control our mind our mind is all over the place but when you do yoga we try to focus in on that moment and that's you know sometimes you just stay there and suddenly it's, oh god like we're you know it, it kind of come out say oh you I, you have like a channel your zone in there it's so crystal clear and Every time after practicing, uh, it just feels so fresh and really light. Yeah. What is the best advice you've ever gotten? For me, I think I, I did a sport when I was really young. Uh, I swim for competition and I find that uh, to do uh, a sport at a young age can uh, help uh, when you grow into, like, in your adulthood, when when I when uh, I start swimming when I was five years old, and my coach trained me really hard. Uh, every time when you try to give up, you say, "Oh no, I can't do this." But then you know the coach will assure you and re- like to keep pushing my boundary. But then when you break that boundary, there is a, a joy of achievement, and it's such a reward. Uh, I think that's something you you can like everybody should have like a three exercise to build what, in their early life. Uh, I say it will def- definitely help when uh, at your later life, you're dealing with all the difficulties, especially mentally. And, uh, like, de- like depression. Now, I, I don't see if a person de- has that kind of experience will go down that route. So there's a, a lot of chance you can, you can have a mental problem or uh, suffer from mental, uh, mental issue when you grow up if you have that experience so uh, that's something i think i i really benefit from absolutely like
0: it's so well documented the benefits of physical exercise as it relates to mental health and yeah unfortunately a lot of people just don't aren't raised with the habit of being involved in sports and physical exercise but it's it's great for the mind it really really is
1: yeah. Just for you mentioned that uh, in China, so everything kind of based on a plan and a structure. So that's the way the, the, in the socialist system work. But then uh, in, so in the class, uh, in the school, at school, there are PE class. It, in here, PE probably just play. I, I don't know, do you have a target or something? But in China, there is a target. They made you run like a woman, uh, 800, 800 meters running. And uh, there's a time. So you have to finish that in that time. And uh, sit up, like one minute, how many sit up and uh, uh, jumping. So uh, just uh, like how the distance you, you jump. They make everybody to achieve that. I hate that in school. I absolutely hate it, <laughs> but uh, and it's also go into your your record so you say you 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 have the score to um determine which the next school you can go to, like how good the school is and the the PE is one part in that so even you study hard in your academic subjects but if your PE is not good and it's also bring you down yeah it's a it's some like a a standard line for um for everybody so everybody has to do that but in I don't know what what people do in Ireland here uh, just when you mention that I actually think there are some positive thing in that structure because you make people if people they don't like running they probably can choose something else to do. But if uh, say there is a, some kind of structure, you make everybody make the best of their effort to achieve a goal. I mean, in physically, uh, in, like in PE class, and that will probably help a lot in um, mental uh, issues. It's that uh, daily
0: discipline of doing something difficult and pushing your own boundaries and seeing that you can overcome resistance I think a lot of times when people grow up in a situation where there is no structure, no discipline, and you're not pushing yourself after so many years of that kind of pattern of not pushing yourself, you just, you can't, can't bring yourself to do it anymore. You're just like, ah, can't be arsed. As they say here, it's not good for your mind. It's not good for your self-esteem because achieving and doing things in life that make you feel good about your life require effort and they are difficult. Even simple things like building good relationships and friendships in your life. This takes effort. And if you're not used to putting forth some kind of purposeful energy towards something, you're just not going to do it because it's easy to be lazy. It's easy to be like, eh, it'll be grand-like and to just entertain yourself in isolation with all your electronic gadgets. But then, of course, people are depressed because this is not what we evolved to do and be. We're very social creatures and we need one another and we want to do and create and do projects together. And it's like if you don't develop social skills and put effort into developing all sorts of skills, then you're kind of going to start slowly excluding yourself from society. And
1: that's not good for mental health. So when when I heard from friends uh, about the mental health uh, uh, issue in Ireland, about the numbers, like how many people surfing from depression, I was quite shocked, to be honest. Because for me, when I came here, I see this is a really uh, slow pace and really peaceful country to live in. It's, uh, I, I know Irish always joke about the rain, but for me, I just love the fresh air. In China, that was uh, not the same air. I, 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 can, I can still uh, remember. The first two years, uh, uh, when I when I moved to Ireland, and every morning when I open the window, I just said, "God, this is just joy, <laughs> just the first breath of the, uh, the 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 air uh, out uh, outdoor." I didn't understand why uh, in such a beautiful country and so relaxing, people can have depression. I I didn't understand. I think this is something need to be pushed. People need to be pushed to be disciplined to do some exercise
0: yeah too much free time too much leniency is not good we need we need a, a balance between pushing yeah. ourselves and then giving ourselves times to relax and recover and you can yeah. you can't constantly need that tension in your life the push and pull of effort chill recover effort relax recover and you know like like a cycle and if you just get too much into the relax or too much into the push 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 we start falling apart it just doesn't yeah.
1: work and I think if if um people never tried it they should um should really try it and i say will they will be surprised by what they thought they couldn't able to do but that yeah and that time the they, they realize they did something they thought they couldn't it's the it's the reward it's the joy of the reward yeah and even trying something
0: difficult not knowing. Exactly how difficult it is is sometimes good. Like, I just finished my degree in psychology this year. And if I knew when I started my degree how difficult it was going to be, I probably would have not started it. So, oh, yeah. of, so, sometimes ignorance of how difficult something is going to be is good. Yeah. If you just go for it. And then two years have gone by and you're like, holy crap, I'm too dumb to be in a university. Why am I here? But then you think to yourself, I already put in two years. Let's just push through and get the other two done and it's like yeah. for me it just got to a point where I'm like well if I actually drop out now I'm gonna feel like such crap about myself I might as well go through the pain and suffering of doing it then quit and then go through the pain and suffering of feeling like an absolute failure so I got through yeah. it anyway but yeah it took effort but you do you do feel great but you also End up achieving things you never thought you could if you knew exactly what you were going to get into. A lot of times, I think mm. people cut themselves short, saying, "Oh, I could never do that." You actually can. It's going to be hard, yeah. it's going to be painful, but you actually yeah. can do it.
1: I I like what a, a friend of mine uh, when I did yoga. A friend of mine said said to me one thing, and that uh, what, what she said made me to to do this ashtanga practice every day. She said things happened on a normal day, or like s- things happened. You know, hard day, every every day when you do the yoga practice and when you stuck in one posture, you can't get through, move to the next one. Uh, you, you, you know, you, you see the people practice same, uh, like around you, they do like pro and you barely can reach your toe, for example. But then that's the moment, that's the moment things happen. I mean, that's the hardest moment. Like when you talk about doing your degree, you, you actually, you just pass that and everything just flew by. What do you wish to contribute to Irish society while you're living here? I think uh, Ireland has become more diverse. Like you, see, you definitely see more uh culture, like even the shop didn't exist uh, like 10, 20 years ago. There and they, there are all different uh like Asian grocery stores or Indian grocery stores. Uh also there are more um foreigners in, in Ireland. So the, the immigrants uh might look different and they speak a different language and they bring a different culture. Communication is the key to dissolve the fear of the unknown and art is one of the best ways to communicate with different ideas. My work is lens-based. Photography has a unique place in the visual language to uh, to represent realities. I think that's where I can contribute to Irish society of cultural diversity. And uh, today we make a little baby steps towards equality between race and gender. And tomorrow, our children can live in a brighter future and they don't have to face the problem we face now.
0: That is beautiful and a wonderful sentence to end on. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. And if you would like to find out more about Jalene, you can go into her website, which is www-j-i-a-l-i-n-l-o-n-g- photography.com and you can also follow her on instagram i will put the links in the show notes and until the next journey ciao